0: Begin Transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris, joined by Ben and Milton for Outer Rim Transmission. This is episode number 84. This week, we're spending the whole episode talking about Andor because it was the Andor season finale. We had 12 episodes a season. This last episode, episode 12, Rick's where we're going to dive in deep to this episode. Um, And it's here in the U.S., it's Thanksgiving. So we're going to start off by just, hey, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? I'm going to just icebreaker. Boom. Go ahead, yeah. Millen. and you first.
1: Macaroni, easily. Eat mac and cheese. When I say a good strong number two is green bean casserole. Like, it's a given.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Ben, those are those are excellent choices. Those are probably my top probably six, I would say. But for me, my favorite by far is hand, like good a really good honey ham. Like I could just eat. An entire ham to myself on Thanksgiving. It's it's literally my favorite thing. Um, but yeah, I'd say honey ham is is for sure my like number one
0: ham. That's interesting. So I've never had anything other than turkey on Thanksgiving. Although I know it's not an abnormality to have other things like pork or you know ham, for instance, and things like that. But yeah, that's that's interesting. So you go, you're going for the full the the primary piece of protein. I will pick. Yep. As of recent times, I really liked what my aunt does with this uh, uh, sweet potato casserole with like the the marshmallows. I know people will say, "Oh, it's too sweet. It's like dessert." But I'm like, eh, I don't care. I'll have my dessert. Oh, it's whenever. it's really good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was it was a good one. Um, getting back to some family that we haven't seen in a few years. Uh, so that's it's all good on my end, you know basically collapsed in a food coma by the end of the night did not make it past the first five minutes of nightmare before christmas but other than that it was great
2: <laughs> hey that's that's good man it's always good to have a good uh good amount of family time like that same here like we had we had a good time with all of our relatives and you know of course we had plenty of our family members going black friday shopping today like people going to bed early because they were like oh we got to get up at like 4 a.m or 5 a.m to do all that stuff and i'm like yeah no i'm I'm good. I'll do my, my Black Friday shopping on Amazon.
0: Yeah, what's the big gift that people are going for this year? Does anybody know? Like, I mean, there's obviously not um, really any game systems that are new this year. I know. But, you know, it's I know
2: yeah, like I know our local Walmart here was having a bunch of like their big electronic devices for like super cheap. Like there was like a 70-inch um like Roku TV for only like 230 bucks or something. It was like really cheap. Um So, like, different things like that, I think, are always, like, the big draw. But, you know, the thing is, I've been Black Friday shopping twice in my whole life. And both times it was, like, never do it again moments. Because it's just so crazy. And then, you know, for those type of ticket items, you have to just stand in line for hours just to get, like, the ticket number to go up and get the item. And it just, I don't know, it's a pain. Like, I'll I'll never forget it. Like, a fun story i had from back uh the first time i ever went was when i was in high school i went with my uncle he wanted to get a digital camera for my aunt that was before you know like we were all having cameras on our phones consistently so we uh we went to walmart or not walmart best buy and of all things when we were standing in line like waiting my uncle was like all right hold our spot in the line and he went back to like a section where they had like ch- like uh, little like chairs you could buy and he went and just got a chair and brought it up to the <laughs> line and was sitting in the line in like the chair of people um, but you know it's just it's craziness out there on Black Friday.
0: Yeah I think definitely with the onset of the huge uh, consumer based stuff you could buy online Amazon Target Walmart they're all the big ones so you really don't have to leave the comfort of your home and your safety as we've seen many wow. videos over the past, people literally getting trampled in the Walmarts and, and all that. But then I, my mom used to go out. She would, you know, go home from Thanksgiving, get up at like 5 a.m. or the crack of dawn and go to the mall. And, you know, I, I, I see a lot of electronics and things are like, oh, 20% off here, 20% off there. But it's like, eh, I'm not finding anything that's absolutely necessary for me, at least. Um, yep. You know, I'm more of a late, late shopper where I'll get the stuff like, 3 days before Christmas and it's like kind of stressful and I don't know why I do that to myself but yeah it's probably the yeah. trend that's going to happen this year.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that's I mean that's always one good part of it. One one thing I did enjoy the couple times I did go Black Friday shopping though was a lot of stores um you know no matter what they were like back when we were like really getting into like the the physical media like DVDs and Blu-rays like they would it would be like you know, their their DVDs being, like, a buck a piece or, like, 75 yep. cents. Like, you know, really, really cheap DVDs. So that's where, like, I got most of my DVD collection from was from, you know, black the Black Friday shopping I did do. Just because it was like, hey, you know, I, I spent 25 bucks and got, like, 25, 26, 27 movies. Like, it was it was oh. worth it. Um, so, you know, like, that those type of deals I, I enjoy. But, you know, a lot of people go Black Friday shopping for, like, those clothes and all that stuff. And I'm like, nah, I'm... I'm good. I want to go for the, the fun stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it, that's, that's the thing with that. all of that. It's just, you know, is it really that big of a deal that you're getting? Sometimes you just got to think about it. It's like you can find some deals just randomly through the year. Virgil's just like, oh, yeah, that's actually a good price, you know? So so sometimes I think a lot of us get caught up in like the, the hype of it all with the Black Friday. Oh my gosh. The Cyber Monday is coming up, everybody. So. Yeah, you know, yep. but um, <laughs> what I will say is uh, for my week at Star Wars, I did see Grogu flying in the sky of New York City. I seen, I, I wasn't even watching a lot live. I just seen it on Twitter. You know, somebody took a video of like their TV of like the, the Funko Grogu, which I think they had last year. I think last year he was like holding like the little shiny ball thing from the Razor Crest. This year he's just like, just flying with nothing in his hands. But it goes the show, you know, the, the pool the Mandalorian still out there. It's still as present as ever even though it's been off the air for a few years
2: oh yeah i saw that too i i, I uh i was actually gonna bring that up for my weekend star wars ah, as well i saw that live gotcha. when i was watching that um yeah no but it's just it is crazy like seeing like the pool of the mandalorian and how popular it is but literally when when we were at our relatives my aunts and uncles who don't watch the mandalorian know knew exactly who that was they're like oh that's baby yoda like they mm. literally said that oh ben look it's baby yoda on tv Yeah, you know, so it's like people like it's just crazy seeing like how much it's like um, crossed over different areas like ages and um, whatnot. And then like for my I would say for my secondary week in Star Mm. Wars since since you took mine, basically. um, Mine was actually so Tuesday night I was just relaxing watching the Mandalorian season two, the uh, the Bo-Katan episode, episode three, I believe it was. And I messaged you guys in the chat about it, and I'm not sure, maybe our maybe our viewers have, have, I'm sure some of them have heard it, but others may have missed it. So when Bo-Katan is first talking with Mando, she mentions to him, you know, like, we're just under the impression maybe the Empire, like, wiped out Mandalore. But then she mentions to him, she literally says the word specifically, we need to retake it. Like she's talking Ooh. about taking it from someone. Yeah. So that means like the that means like the
0: Empire is probably occupying it, in my opinion. That is crazy to me to think that the Empire in its in its state where it's a remnant has enough power to hold a planet at this point. Like, damn, man. Like like we first seen the Empire just struggling with these guys, just trying to protect the this client dude with like scrappy looking armor, and you're gonna tell me that. They have enough forces out there to hold an entire planet as a blockade. Basically, that is surprising to
2: hold off Mandalorians. That's another thing, too, that was was interesting to me was. I wonder if they're using, I don't know, something to be I don't know, like, you know, because you'd think Mandalorians would be able to take back, like, say, a building or even a cityscape like Mandalorian, You know, Mandalorians are like cunning warriors, especially like Bo-Katan and her people, which is interesting That she used the word retake so it's like I wonder like how souped up the Empire has that maybe that's like one of their main bases right now during this time period like that could be like maybe the major Uh... like headquarters for them or something like maybe I don't know maybe they have a bunch of death troopers there like you know something like that we might see in season 3 of Mando but but yeah she used the word retake and I was like man I need to bring this up on the podcast Mm because maybe people missed this because I sure did
0: yeah, I mean the thing is you look at Rebel Season Four opener and they have that mechanized weapon that actually like melts Mando's in their armor. So yep. I'm thinking what that they, they have, have that? something on a bigger scale than yeah. that even. Like that's just anybody comes near, it's an automated weapon turret that just blows them away. There's no no even use of trying to get in there. I mean it's possible. Think about it. It's Pavro and Filoni, like I I mean, all bets are off.
2: They might use it. I mean, we got we got live action bo katan. What's to say we don't get a live action version of that weapon?
0: Yeah, yeah. Bill, what are your thoughts on this? you Think that uh, the Mandalorian planet homeworld Mandalore is going to be uh, heavily fortified Imperial position. I mean, we see a lot of fighting in the trailers. A lot of fighting. I'm not sure where that is. It might. It's probably not even Mandalore, but yeah, it could be fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, we kind of got the hint at, that at the end of. Uh season two whenever they talked about the dark saber i mean i think we all can predict that this particular season is going to go to that particular area of star wars and that's something that i think fans want to see i mean look mandalore and all that stuff with mandalore back in the clone wars uh, cartoon was dope i think that was some of my favorite you know storytelling when it comes to that show and i think in live action and back uh, you don't bring back katie sack mm. You no, know, you don't bring her back just to do a couple episodes. I mean, come on, you got to pay that off. And clearly, they hinted at that at the end of season two. So, I would love to see it. I know they said it was destroyed by the Empire at one point, mm-hmm. but I feel like I feel like there there's something that they weren't telling us. So maybe there's parts of Mandalore that was destroyed. Might be some of that stuff still there. I mean, you don't just wipe out a particular type of culture without at least giving us something. Um. So no, or so yeah. So I think it's going to be in the show.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because in the book of Boba Fett, we get the flashback of like the hundreds of TIE bombers that are just unleashing carnage on that place. And when you think about it, like this location has seen so much destruction, even in the Clone Wars, it had already suffered war. And that's why they have that shell, because the people already were in war and like the outskirts of that were all desolated from destruction. So all the people were living already in that one little shelter. And then to see that get bombed to hell and lava and everything in the book of Fett flashback. It's like, what's left of this place at this point? I guess underground is the only place left, which is uh, the caves that he's having to said, like, redo his vow to the Mandalorian. I don't know, but yeah, could be, could be interesting, could be interesting. All right, so a little bit of housekeeping, as always, for those of you that are watching live. We also have this available to download at any time. Just search Outer Rim Transmission on any of your favorite podcast streaming apps. We're also on YouTube. If you listen, go ahead and give us a watch on YouTube, youtube.com slash StarRaptor. We go live every Friday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, and we always have a lively chat in there. Go join the people like Aaron Daly. Hey, how's it going, Aaron? So, we had probably the biggest released week in Star Wars publishing in a long time. So many things came out this week. I've been busy on the channel, as you probably have seen if you've been following along. Uh, There were several, several releases. I'm going to run through the list very quickly here. Uh, First things first, we had a brand new Star Wars novel. And that is Star Wars Convergence. It's the big novel opening up. Uh, not season two, but phase two of the High Republic. Uh, it's it's very good so far. Very good. Written by Zerata, uh, Zerata Cordova. It's basically, you have these two warring planets, Iram and Arona, er- er- and they are locked in this big war where uh, one of the princes was killed, and I don't know half the story because I'm only like 50 pages in. Um, just been busy, obviously with the holiday here in the U.S., but It seems really cool because you have these tensions on both sides. You have characters' perspectives on both sides. And it's just like uh, there's a a ceasefire, and that does not last longer than three days. Um, This battle's been going on for like five years, and and now the Jedi are involved in the mix and uh, trying to mediate things. But uh, it just goes to show, like, hey, what happens before the epic galactic wars of the Galactic Empire and the Republic versus the CIS and the First Order, you have little small-scale conflicts going on in star systems that don't require the attention of the entire galaxy. These are the types of things that were happening way back when, and it's cool to see the Jedi, you know, just like we've seen Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan kind of going for this dispute for the Trade Federation battleships, it's nice to see that all well and alive here in in the high republic seeing how how things are going um even before the nile are a thing because again this is like 150 years before all of that so quite a ways back in time quite a ways back in time uh we also had secrets of the bounty hunters it's a new source book that has a bunch of cool facts and tidbits on every character that's a bounty hunter from dirge to Zam Wessel to Byler and Valence to Mara Vex from the new upcoming Hunters game. It leaves no stone unturned when it comes to talking about the weapons, the armor, or the ships. Has a lot of cool little fold out, different kind of interactive things like a pop up. Uh, not a pop up, sandcrawler, pop up. Uh, what is it called? Sarlacc Pit. Sarlacc Pit. Uh, a lot of cool things in there. So, um, nothing, uh, you know, there's no revelations in there about any characters, although. Ben, you'll enjoy this one. They have a rundown of characters that are alive and characters that are dead. And under the people that's alive, Cad Bane is listed. It. I, I called it. <laughs> hey, I made great. a video on YouTube. Okay, I'll back this up for quickly. Like, they they basically say like these characters are confirmed dead and R Singh is there, <laughs> Greedo is there, and then the rest of the characters are basically not in that list. Hence Cad Bane and even slyly put it because it's narrated from Hondo Naka's perspective, and Hondo Naka and this is great because he's just the writer Mark Sumerak really gets the tone and the comedic timing of of Hondo. But yeah, they even Hondo's talking about like this duros cadban is like eh, like he was last seen with this battle on tatooine and 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 next thing you know the pikes and he's disappeared and and some think he's dead some think he's not dead and if he ever comes back in my er- area he might kill me you know so it's like it's very wishy washy um but yeah I, I mean i think i think he's coming back whether or not we'll see in nope. season 3 of mando Maybe that's too soon. Maybe we'll see him in, I don't know, skeleton crew, some random other thing that's connected to the Mandalorian. Uh, that could be could be fun because I think we can all agree that um, there is a lot more that this character could have done with his reputation and to see him killed off in just two episode appearances uh, just seems a little bit weak on my part. Right, Ben?
2: Oh, yeah. For sure. I think uh, you know that's really good to hear. Great news to start this podcast, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like I was thinking, you know, like you said, you made the video on it back when it came out and even when, um, even when you we were watching it, it was like they, you know, when Cad Bane got quote unquote killed, they hung on his body too mm-hmm. long and let that light flicker. So like, you know, it's it just, it's too much of a tell, I think. And then also Dave Filoni not going to kill his character off that quick. Like, you know, he's not, I, I, I don't think he would anyways. Just because it's like, why would you kill him off when you can use him when there's potentially yeah. um, a Book of Boba Fett season two down the road? Like, you know, stuff like that. Like, there's plenty of opportunities to use Cad Bane. And it's like, hey, we just now got him into live action and you're going to kill him off. Like, he he's, he's back. And I feel like, like you said, I don't think we'll see him in Mandalorian season three. I don't. Just because... I think a lot of the stuff is going to be revolving around what we open this podcast about. It's going to be revolving around Man- Mandalore and and that whole journey within. But uh, but yeah, I think I think Cad Bane will be kind of on the back burner and be like a surprise. Say if we get a book of Boba Fett season two, or even um, even a random one maybe. Like what if what if Ahsoka gets into some trouble and you know she runs into Cad Bane and he recognizes her from the Clone Wars, like something like that Ooh. during her show. You know, there's plenty of opportunities for cad to appear and i just think we're like we scratched the surface with just the book of boba fett stuff
0: yeah mel would you like to see cad Bane make a return or you want him to just stay dead at this point
1: i mean i don't think he's dead so i'd be cool with him coming back as long as i use him right like it doesn't i'm cool with him i like the character um if you're gonna have him around just make sure you use him right don't don't depower him he wasn't wasn't some trash bounty hunter he was actually nice he could Mm. he could stand up the jedi so my fear is that they would depower him for some weird reason, but if you bring him back, use him right. If you don't bring him back, then he needs to be dead.
0: Guys, guys, they already depowered him. Remember Bad Batch? Yeah, that <laughs> is, is true. He true. got
1: through. Fennec
0: I, Shan, I, I, I mean, an upstart bounty hunter takes him out. Like, well, it wasn't easy for her, at least. At least he did yeah. put up a fight, but, you know, it goes, okay, maybe he is losing his edge at that point because I don't know the lifespan of Aduras or how old he even is, but that's the argument is like, okay, yeah, you no. Know, Eventually, he would get his senses and his skills dulled if he's not yeah. fighting Jedi all the time. It's been several years at that point, point. what else is he doing, you know? So, yeah. anyway.
2: What, what better way than practice against Ahsoka?
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Seriously. Alright, so that wasn't all. We also had Tales from the Rancor Pit, which is a collected uh, little graphic novel. Um, actually, I have it right here. Um, this is a cool little little graphic novel by Dark Horse. It came oh, nice. about a month late because, as you could probably imagine, this is more of like a Halloween-themed Star Wars book. You got great artwork in here by a number of different uh, artists, but uh, I like how it really pops. The artwork's pretty nice in this. But, uh, yeah, it's just a bunch of short stories, essentially. A guy's being uh, about to be eaten by rancor. He's trying to plea for his life, and he says, I can tell you a couple stories, and one of them is about, you know... Wampas and uh, dragon slugs on Hoth, and you got different things going on with the Clone Wars with uh, droids being reanimated by some kind of thing where the guy ends up having a hallucination spoiler. And we also have uh, uh, something in the High Republic, so that, that was a fun read. Uh, next up, we also had a brand new series start off Yoda issue number one. Yeah, I know this, this list just keeps on going, keeps on going. <laughs> <laughs> issue number one of a new maxi series written of course by kevin scott another one uh written by the the, the the british uh author over there and revelations number one i showed this one in our private chat about this big issue uh from marvel that's like a preview of what's to come in the next like three four months essentially um i showed you guys a page Um, In the chat, there, where it's like, oh, yeah, you have like uh, you have Sabe putting on Darth Vader's helmet, you have Kira knocking down Emperor Palpatine, you have Kira, uh, you have Palpatine with his red lightsaber, you have Luke Skywalker weighing the decision of using a red or a green Kyber crystal, you have, you know, just so much stuff happening in this one fever dream kind of vision that Vader had when he visited the Eye of Webish Bog there on Mustafar. Uh, as it called to him, telling him the future. So it's very much like a um, esoteric kind of far-fetched issue that just packs in a bunch of what-ifs that I think will probably end up being just a matter of time to being confirmed eventually. So there you go. Those were the f- several things. And then in, in the mail today... I, I didn't even add this to the notes because it, it was just earlier today. I did receive the latest issue of uh, Star Wars Insider. So, as if to add more stuff on my plate, that came in. Um, you know, I guess it's like, okay, you know, Christmas is coming. Let's <laughs> let's pump out all this stuff right before Black Friday to, for people to have uh, something to put on their list. So, there you have it. If you missed any of that, I have videos for pretty much all of it on the channel. Um that was out earlier this week. So without further ado, I know everybody's been waiting for it. We're going to have our Andor Season 1 finale uh, discussion here. This is Season 1, Episode 12, Rick's Road. The big, big episode. All roads end on Rick's Road because all the characters except my Mothma ended up on this place from what I was really happy with Cyril and Mosk, you guys. I was telling you guys, like, I would I literally crap clapped, clapped out loud when I seen uh Mosk and, and Cyril just sitting on the, the transit bus, like, yes, this is gonna be sick. This is gonna be all awesome. you have. Dedra arriving there in an imperial shuttle, which was so badass, can never get enough of that design. You have Cassian, of course, getting drawn back for his mother's funeral. So much going on. So much going on. I'm gonna throw this one over to Milton first impressions of the final episode of season one man
1: uh, i don't know how i feel about this finale i honestly don't know um so i watched it Thursday. and i was but prior to re- watching i actually was looking at some reviews i didn't actually watch reviews to see what people's initial impressions were people were saying that they were liking it some people said it was you know, it was okay so i went and watched it and it was just okay to me. It, it it didn't really it didn't really impact me where I was like, man, this is such a good finale. I did not walk away coming from it. And I'm not saying it was a bad episode. I'm not saying that at all. It just it didn't didn't like it didn't kick my ass where I was like, man, I cannot wait for season two now. You know, like I was honestly thinking this finale would lead up to something where I'm like, okay, like some characters are changing characters are dying, the show's going to shift. You know, season 2 is going to be where it's at. Honestly, I couldn't this episode was just okay. It's just okay. It wasn't bad, it just wasn't that exciting. I think I think the pacing to me was kind of off. Um thought they could have done some things differently. Um thought some characters should have died. I think they everyone shouldn't have lived. I I think some people should have died. But um I guess they're they're setting it up for season two, and hopefully things will pay off in the first couple of episodes of season two. But, again, this episode was just mm, okay to me. Ben? um, I'd say I'm
2: – I think, for me, the episode – like, I can definitely echo a lot of those points, Milton. Like, I think there were some parts of the episode I felt like they were a little drug on. Like, Like, for me, I know a lot of people loved the – the like the Marva speech thing, mm. like I think that could have been cut down just a little bit because I think it was drug out just a smidge too long for my liking. But like for me, I thought the episode overall was solid, you know, it wasn't like an incredible, like over the top finale. Like to me, like I know this was 12 episodes and stuff, like obviously this wouldn't be a midway point, but to me, this felt more like a mid season finale than a finale, in my opinion. Like that. that's honestly my assessment of it because. Like, I just think, you know, we should have, like you mentioned, Milton, I think we, we should have had, like, a death from one of the new characters, whether it be Deidre or um, any, like, the good guys. Like, like, I think we should have had someone die, or Cyril or, who, or whoever, but, like, I just, I just think there should have been some type of, like, a death or something. Um, and then some of the pacing, I think at the beginning of the episode was drug out. It, it was a little too slow um because and i'm saying this not even just as like a uh, like a thing you know because i've loved the pacing from episode 6 until episode 11 like i've loved the last 5 episodes' pacings and it just felt like we almost hit like a, <laughs> a brick wall um it felt like we almost hit that just because it was like we go from like these like high stakes like prison break you know, all these different things going on. And then even last week's episode was very good to like a slower paced one, which like I mentioned, I think it's a solid good episode. I just don't think it was an amazing finale.
0: All right. Let the fun begin because I couldn't be more opposite (laughs) than the both of you. I think this is one of the best triumphs of Star Wars in the last 10 years. This episode, again, it's the finale and it brought everything together. I look at great great series like Star Wars Rebels. You got the first season. Most of it dealt with Lothal. Lothal was treated like a character more than just an environment. You have all the different functions of all that. And this is exactly what this first season was. Uh, I feel extremely satisfied from this first season because of this episode, the way it ended. You have everything. All roads lead to this exact moment in history. And this feels... This episode felt like a flashpoint. This felt like something that's going to be referenced in a lot of expanded material, maybe some future Star Wars stories. And you know, they're gonna be talking about so They're gonna be talking about the first signs of rebellion and the people rising up in unison against tyranny. Holy crap, that Marva speech, it effect, like that was amazing. Like it felt like this huge moment for these people to just get this call to arms. And I was really hoping we'd see something like that because the way that they killed her off-screen off was very effective last week. But the way they brought it back into a hologram, every single character had something that was resolved in a way that felt, again, satisfying for me. Things with Bix, seeing how her story is moving along, seeing the effects of the torture and all that down to something as insignificant as a droid that's actually making me emotional. Like, that doesn't happen a lot, but, like, holy crap, like, when that guy kicked over B2, I literally went, like, I had a raw emotion, like, no, like, you gotta get... That's it, like, you knocked the droid over, it means war now. It means war because this is something that built up over time. Cyril, Dedra, when she got knocked down, I was, like clapping i was like yeah take her down take her down like peter because like we just seen what she did with bix a couple episodes and i think she was terrible but then to see cyril there and to see how she visibly got shook by that whole thing like you get to see okay she was all empire all empire all empire and then she just seems weak all of a sudden she's out of her element these people are doing the buildup was incredible. Like, what this series has done so far with the tension that ratchets up, you have this marching band going through, again, the culture, the stuff about the Daughters of Farrick, so these people are marching through. It just seems like such an interesting location, and, man, oh man, the stuff with Man, Mothma, you don't even need more words at all. It just plays over the music. Oh my God, the music was on a you know scale of eleven here. You know it was just hitting me in all the right ways. This episode, just you know, without going for too long here, it just there was a certain sensation I got from it that just some of the best Star Wars I've felt that before, and I got that here. Like I was, I was amped up at like you know six in the morning watching this thing you know, waking up people in this house because I was cheering that <laughs> loud and, and reacting that loud, clapping at different moments. And just, it really just hit me in all the right ways. And it leaves you w- wanting more. You know, it's just not just a singular season. They leave us with that awesome moment with Luthen and Andor just standing there, giving them the blaster. Like there's been so many moments of these dialogue choices and everything else leading up to this, leading up to Cinta. And leading up to Vel and, 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 and just the man just seeing all the stormtroopers opening up on these people it was just holy crap this is a brutal episode people getting shanked people just absolutely getting trampled and just innocents just killed it was really something that was different and I, and I enjoyed the heck out of it so that was, that was my initial thoughts. And uh, I guess we could just kind of go through in chronological order for the most part. But what did you guys think about uh, the whole thing with, I guess we could start the big thing with, with, with the whole speech of uh, Marva Andor there in, in, in that better part of the episode. So I know that, Ben, you said it, it kind of dragged on a little bit. I, I could see that. I could see that. I think it's just, uh, yeah. you know, there with Cassian, it's like, okay, he's he's seeing the last images that he's going to, you know, see of his mother, essentially, at that point.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, I think, like I said, I think the speech was dragged out maybe a few sentences too much. I, it was just drug on a little too long. But I do like the sentiment of it and, like, it being kind of the trigger point, you know, for all of this stuff to happen. Like, I do like that they chose to have it um have it be have all of like this this little like rebellion be triggered by this speech from Marva I do like that just because I was wondering where we were going to go with this like how this funeral thing was going to play out because it wasn't going to be like you know someone spotting andor or, or someone you know like i don't know just something like a random blaster fire like i don't know just something happening and and so it was kind of a nice surprise actually like that the speech was the thing that triggered this little um this like rebellion in the city so i thought that was really cool um but yeah like i said i thought it was a little too long but i do like the sentiment of where it came from um i thought it was done really well and uh Yeah, I just thought it was nice as well in terms of, like, say, from the Empire's point of view, it was like an unexpected, um, I don't know, like, what do you say, like, almost like an unexpected surprise, like, bad surprise for the Empire because, you know, if you think about it from their point of view, like the stormtroopers, the Imperial officers, whatever, whoever's there from the Empire, their training is probably more. I mean, I'm sure 99% of it is toward, you know, dealing with actual, whether it be creatures or humans or humanoids, whatever, droids. Like, they're, I'm sure they weren't expecting a hologram to be the thing to trigger this situation. Like, you know, in that type of a scenario, like a public setting, like the imp- Imperials there are probably looking for, like, people trying to, like, cause an issue, like rioters or something like that. They probably weren't expecting a hologram to basically be, like, a secret weapon to, like, trigger this little rebellion. So, like, I thought that was a nice touch. Like, it was a nice surprise. Like, because, you know, a lot of times, especially in this era um, of Star Wars right now, we're in with Andor, like, the Empire is, like, in full control. So they're not expecting, you know, they're just, they're just overconfident, basically. Like, where they're not expecting to be surprised mm-hmm. like that. Yeah.
0: And they do show us the whole uh, resolution of this Anton Krieger thing, and I think that's that's a huge that's huge in this because at one point uh, Bix's last episode the episode before was like, do you know this person? It was like the image of Anton Krieger. Is he Axis? And like we don't get the answer from her, but then we get that big like thing in the in the, in the episode where they're like, oh, we got to go see this briefing, and they're all like clapping. They're all like, yeah, they're all jubilant. Yeah, we took them down. They stood no chance, and of course, we've seen the last episode. Like those people were just sacrificed. That was the cost of war, and that's exactly what they what they wanted the Empire to think. Like, hey, we crushed this other rebellion. We're we're so you know larger than everybody else. And then you have Luthen showing up, seeing how these people are basically doing exactly what he wants them to do. On Ferrex, like these are the things that Luthen wants. Like these little little things here and there that are eventually going to lead to a huge rebellion but yeah exactly the imperials are so overconfident in this in this era right now there's nothing like think about them. like they're all across the galaxy there's nothing that could happen that could possibly dethrone these people they've been around for like 15 years at this point in full power what are these people going to do and and then i think it goes to show when that kid throws that bomb and that riot it was just all oh, hell breaks loose like that was inc- that was again like the cool things i haven't seen in star wars the fact that like we're we're seeing this kid building this bomb because the significance of that is like he's seen his father basically g- gets hanged like we don't see that happen but in the previous episode they're like oh you waited really want to do this? Oh, let's let's hang him we don't see that happening but you You see the image of his father, like in a hologram, this is the the stuff I'm telling you. It's like all these like little minor characters, all this stuff just boiled in this episode and just blew up where it was like, this to me is satisfying seeing all this, this, this destruction. and, And and there's a little bit of hope in there, of course, too, with people getting the upper hand on some of these Imperials. Um. You know any any words on this whole whole sequence with with Marva there, Milton?
1: Speech. I mean, it was it was solid. I mean, it did its job. You know, it, it was that you know quote unquote that spark. You know, mm-hmm. just to quote the Last Jedi, um, it was that spark of what they were trying to accomplish. I mean, I mean, look, she wasn't Tony Stark from you know Avengers Endgame with his whole speech in hologram mode which that's what I, that's what I was thinking of the whole time thinking oh my god like did they rip off you know Tony Stark you know 3,000 um no it, it served his purpose mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I didn't think the speech I didn't think it dragged I think it was enough time I think they were just trying to do a build up to what they were trying to do and now I will say to agree with Ben on this there were parts of this episode that did drag on you know mm-hmm. like I felt there was parts where they could have kind of cut it down, or at least just got rid of a scene or two. But That particular section with the speech did its job. Um, and then for the Imperial to come up and like cover up the, mm-hmm. the hologram, which which I was like, okay, I mean, that could piss off a lot of people, which it did. Um, it, it did its job. So I'll, I'm okay with the speech.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got to talk about this one character that I don't think we've ever mentioned. and And the character's name is Brasso. That guy is the MVP, man. That guy just gets the brick and just smashes the Imperial. This guy, just big dude, just comes in in the front line, and just smashes him, And think with Marva's own brick. Like, that's really symbolic. Like, just bashing you with the person that just held you to rise up out of her own remains, bashed across the face. But it was, it was the brutality. Let's talk about the, the brutality of this episode because... Some of those things we have like somebody being shanked and the blood on her hands, like with the whole thing with Cinta, like <laughs> what was the reaction to the overall just brutality of the episode, the maturity of it all?
1: Um, I mean for for this type of show and obviously with what Rogue One was, you no, know, I'm not surprised. Um, just because this was this is very brutal Star Wars. We're we're not used to seeing this often. Um I think this fits into the Rogue One storytelling and narrative in a sense of you know, it's a war film, espionage, spy, so rebellion. I, I'm totally for it. So I'm I'm not was not taken back from it. it. It it fit. Like you couldn't have put this in you couldn't have done this in Obi-Wan. You know, this wouldn't have been a good fit for Obi Wan. Um I felt with this particular show, yes, it worked. Mm-hmm.
2: bad Yeah, I would say for me, um I'm similar. I think the like the brutality of the show has been um pretty good so far. Like I I've I've I thought you know several points of the show really has, has have done a really good job with it. Whether it be like the stuff we've seen in this episode, like you mentioned with the shaking, the way the riot was, or even like in past episodes with like that Doctor Death guy, basically just like putting people yeah. down. We saw like that sort of stuff. Like I think the brutality's been um, really good. I don't know. Good's kind of a weird word to say about brutal stuff like this, but you know what I mean. Like it it, it, was, it did its job. I would have to say and have to note, though, I would love to have seen this type of brutality with the book of Boba Fett. Like, that, I think, would have been incredible. Um, but it just... Uh, yeah, I just think it did, did a really good job, and it, it uh, yeah it can continue to, like, pay it off in the finale as well with, you know, everything we saw, whether it be, like, uh, you know, like we mentioned, the different things that went on in the riots, and then even, like, um, just, like, characters like realizing, like like you know the characters in the show realizing like how brutal things were like Deidre for example like she mm-hmm. you know is realizing obviously like how brutal like some of the stuff is going down like you know this is the reality of it versus like just working behind a desk yeah like that that sort of thing like you know because she, she she you know say what you want like she's like brutal in her own right like you know interrogating people all this sort of stuff but You know, we up to this point, the only knowledge of her we know so far is what we've seen on screen right now. So the thing is, she's kind of in the same boat as Mon Mothma as, you know, she hasn't really got her hands dirty in the Mm. front lines yet. So it's just, you know, that was her first like on screen thing we've seen of her getting her hands dirty. And, you know, now it's like, oh, wow. Now she has the realization of like what the real world is like when it comes to this sort of stuff
0: yeah so let's talk about Deidre and Cyril so let's just say hey what what what's going to happen there what are our thoughts uh, do you think they're going to just you know be a third party here they're not going to be neither for the rebellion or the empire is she going to go back to the empire this what what's going to happen with Cyril and villain what, what about this
1: he's a waste of space like always Like I'm sorry <laughs> he doesn't do anything he did nothing and look okay I'll answer your first question um with these two characters clearly uh, unless i'm reading it wrong i think they're going to try to romantically link them up. i think they're gonna have like a weird like weird sexual tension that they're feeling each other but she's always going to like be resistant to him i think at times mm-hmm. but because he just saved her that might that might drive it moving forward in season two mm-hmm. i don't see them going full out but i can see there always being like that tension in season two um as for what they're going to do individually, I can see her obviously going back to the ISB Empire. I can see him or her bringing... Is it Cyril? That's how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Bring him along. But they're going to have that weird dynamic. And I can see now that she's going to be maybe potentially questioning her her role or questioning mm-hmm. what the Empire is actually doing. You know, I, I could see them changing her character slightly. Um, as for just... The overall of the characters. I like her character. I think that she's going to bring a lot to season two if they make her now conflicted. Because It just makes sense now moving forward. Him, I don't know what they're doing with him. I honestly don't know because he served no purpose in this episode I, throughout this entire show. Because um, mm-hmm. even thinking about why they brought him to funeral, he was going to try to quote-unquote capture andor or whatever. He didn't really do nothing. I'm thinking, why do we even have him? I know I say this every week, but he serves no purpose to me. Yeah, And and maybe, maybe I'm just not seeing it, but I'm like, what are they going to do with this guy? All he does is just stare at Debra, look for a bitch about Andor and his mom, and that's it. And he's got that weird guy with him now. It's like, bro, what are you doing?
0: Oh, the weird guy's also. I think we're gonna see him become one of the uh, rebels, man. I think I can see it. He's sitting there drinking that, drinking whatever he's out of and, his glasses like that what, what, was what's real What's, up,
1: what's up with the hat? What's up with them swapping hats? Like I'm, I'm like, what is this? Like that's goofy. I'm like that made I again, I don't care. Anyone tells me he serves no purpose in the show. I'm telling you right now. I mean, I would say, oh you know,
0: yeah, they drug out his storyline a little bit. I'll be honest, like you know. Uh, yeah, he he could have had an episode or two where he wasn't there, and they kept, you know, they kept showing him, showing us him to kind of remind us that he's still in the story, but yeah, I mean, anybody could have saved her, I mean, I I guess they're just, his storyline's gonna be dependent on her storyline in season two at this point. I think
1: so, so I think so, I think now, like, with him saving her, I think they're gonna be tethered in season two, it just makes, it makes sense now, Mm -hmm. even that though is like, what are they going to do with him? Because he's going to have to one, like, be about all about her, you know? Like, okay, what, what, do you, what do you want to do? How do you want to exact your revenge on these people or on Andor or whatever? Like, because eventually they're going to figure out that Bix was taken, that she got off the planet, so they're going to mm-hmm. know it was him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, what yeah,
1: about I... that one? Bud?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, as you guys were talking about it, I was thinking like, like I don't. You could cut all of Cyril's stuff out of the show and have basically the same result. Honestly, like just thinking about it, like, like you could cut virtually everything out and and it it'd be the same result.
1: That's what I'm saying. But, um, you... Yeah, like did, I, I don't it, it, know. It did it's... not. It did not. It did not move the needle. Once, narratively, except for maybe episode the one, three episodes.
0: the first three episodes first three, were first, fantastic. I'll give you
1: that. The first, the first three episodes yeah. with him, because he was. Well, in the story short, and wrapped. wrapped. Yes, or or just say, you know what? Let's first let's four let's,
0: episodes. Let's say that. Yeah.
1: Let's let's cut him off at three. Take that gap yeah. and like whatever happened to him, he gets shipped off, and in the last three or the four rebuild him up and then pay it off in season two. But they didn't, they're not going to do that unless, mm-hmm. unless we're just missing something. Well,
2: my thing is,
1: I, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe the actor that plays him had,
2: had, has some blackmail on Tony Gilroy and is like, Hey, you got to put me as front and center in your show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, like I, I think uh, like, like realistically, I think, so you have his whole interaction with, with Deidre and, like you said, Milton, it's gonna be some like weird tension that goes on that's not gonna be acted on because she's gonna be too like rough and tough about things, I think. And my thing with her is like so Chris, you mentioned maybe maybe she'll like I don't know, potentially move on from the Empire, or maybe something along those lines. I think I think it's gonna be the total opposite personally. I think mm. she's gonna use this like you know, we we just got off the brutal the brutality topic of the show. I could mm. see the opening episode of the show of season two, maybe like her commanding a whole death trooper squad to go in and just wipe out a town or something. You know, like mm. like something to like really like. Hey, my character's pissed off, so I'm gonna like show the power of the Empire type deal. Like you know, you know, like the Empire likes to lay the law down. I mean, we saw it. Heck, you talk about brutal stuff we saw in 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 Rebels when when Thrawn just starts wiping out wiping out that city. Like, you know, stuff like that. Like, the Empire doesn't care. So, like, my thing is with this show, the tone of this show and everything, I think we're gonna see her do something like that. Like, you know, bring in the death troopers to maybe this town again and just wipe them off the, the map or something. Like, you know, because I just don't I don't know. I feel like with her, like how like anger or angry her character is like especially even earlier on in the series when she was like you know you know you could just like feel the hatred of her toward the rebels when she's like gave that really cool Mm -hmm. speech in like episode three or four where she's like they're just like everywhere blah 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 you know whatever she says in that and that whole thing like you could just feel like her hatred for the, the rebellion so my thing is i think she's gonna It'll be like the hey, we're gonna lay the law, lay the empire's full force down on some town to like make an example.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean that that's certainly a possibility. But I could, she'd be like, ah, none of this crap is worth this this trouble. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I, I could see it go I'm that way out as well. Of the empire. I'm I'm like, out of it, here. i my, my life. I got you know PTSD. Right. That's a that's a huge thing. Like she's that. Like yeah, I'm not putting my life on the line anymore. Let's get the hell out of here. I, I don't, <laughs>
2: I mean, hey, and then maybe she's got a man. She's got Cyril. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but let's talk about the titular character, and that is Cassian Andor. This was awesome. Like, this is the Cassian that I recognize from Rogue One. Fearless, brave, courageous, you know, just I think most of us would probably do what he did for the for the most part, like, yeah, you're he's gonna go your loved one died. You're gonna go pay your respects, whether or not it's dangerous or not, you're gonna make a way to get back there. Whether it's a smart idea or a bad idea. And we have that conversation of like him in the sewers with Brasso, and it's just like, Yeah, this is the last Brasso's like this last place you wanna be right now. And it's just like, you know, he's there for her. And uh you know, we, we did not realize that the last time they spoke was gonna be in that manner of like Hey, you're a hero, you gotta do that thing. We can't be together. And it was like, damn, like that hits harder now because of that. But the whole thing, the whole rescue with Bix, yeah, that was awesome. Like that really shows you the type of good guy he is deep down. You know, like in the beginning of this season, he was he had every one of his so-called friends had had a grudge against him. Because he owed everybody money and he's like this dirt, dirty dude that's just, you know, just making these terrible schemes and, and different things. And now we get to see him as the hero. So I really felt that we got to see so much selflessness. You got to see from episode one to episode two, he's putting his life on the line for a cause and it's paying off. So I, I really like to see from episode one, and episode 12 here transformation of of andor into the andor that we know
1: i mean i thought this particular episode with his development um you're right i have to to agree it it reminded me of what we are seeing what we're going to see in rogue one um i think that final scene was really something that you can tell it kind of reminded me of the end of rogue one how he was okay with dying like he Mm -hmm. i think at this point he knows like he has nothing he's he's on borrowed time Oh, he was willing to say, hey, you know, if you want to kill me, kill me. I'll make it easy on you. you know, oh, and I think he just gets it. And it reminded me of the end of Rogue One where he's like, listen, with Jen, your father will be proud. He doesn't have family. So he he knows his time is, is up. He's just a piece to this rebellion. He isn't the rebellion. Um, but I liked how him and Luthen had that exchange at the end. You you clearly see that Luthen is like, okay, I now have someone who has nothing to lose. I love how that that comes for a full circle. Yeah, you no, know, Cassian did Cassian did a good job in this episode um, with his character. Uh, I love where we're going with him. I thought he obviously he's the he's the strongest part of this particular episode, in my opinion. Just you know him dealing with his emotions, mm-hmm. but also still being a hero, trying to do the right thing, but saying, "Hey, you know what? If it's my time, it's my time to go." You know, I, I've lived for this. My, my family's done. Let's just be done with this. But that, hey, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll see what happens in season two.
0: Yeah. 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 And uh, going into that, like there's the whole part of the manifesto from Nemec. And I was waiting to see the payback. You know, we got that all the way in episode five when he was telling about the manifesto. And we haven't seen it. we know he had the manifesto. But it was really cool to be able to hear Nemec's voice again. And to see that these are the seeds that are being laid into Andor's decision for the rebellion. And he's learning, like, this dude got me this information and he's making sense with how the Empire is. Hell, I would like to just get an audio file of everything the guy said. Like, come on, Lucasfilm, put out a podcast of Nemec's uh, version of the galaxy with the Empire or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, Ben, what did what, you think about this whole thing with him being in the ship with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was done really well. It was it was cool, like you said, that it tied back to that earlier episode. Um, and then just everything with and I thought was done really well. Like like Milton mentioned, he was for sure the strongest character of the episode by far, I would say, because there have been other episodes. You know, we've talked about it in the, in the past where it was like, man. Cassian's the title character, but he's not the main character of his own couple episodes here, you know? Like, some of the episodes felt like it was, like, Cyril or Deidre or or whoever. And it, and now it actually felt like it was Cassian's episode, which is nice. And then, um, you know, just seeing, you know, like you guys mentioned, him going through all his emotions and dealing with, like, everything. Um, especially, like, the fact that you know, there's probably, like, different angles you could think about it. Like, him going back there with all those emotions could also be, like... He's going back there to, obviously, see his loved one's funeral. But he's also going back there because it's, like... What do you got to lose? So, like, mm-hmm. he's probably thinking, well, if I, if I get killed, I get killed. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've lost everything else. So, like, what's it what's it really matter at this point? So, um... So, it's it's cool, like, getting to see his, like, emotions that way. And then, of course, his... His interaction with Luther was done really well. Like that uh that reminded me of another show. I don't remember what show or or movie it was, but you know, it's just that whole thing of like the the hero asking just like, hey, kill me, you know, if you want like yeah. go ahead, like type deal. Like like you've seen that happen before um in other situations and other movies, so like in other shows. So it was cool getting to see that. And then I think they're gonna use this as like a springboard as well to kind of like leapfrog certain steps of cassian in the rebellion like you know now he's in the rebellion for sure obviously like the way the way the the way the interaction went out with Mm -hmm. luthan like he's fully into it so my thing is i think it's going to be kind of one of those like you know implications he's he's fully in the rebellion and then boom. We, we jump right into a mission with him in season two of the show. You know what I mean? Like it's going to skip all those like little nitty gritty hmm. um, steps. I think we're going to jump right into something where it's going to be, you know, whatever mission it may be. I, th- I think that's what they're going to use this scene as a springboard to like Luther assigning him to some mission. And he's just like kind of buying into it.
0: Yeah. Well, we did get confirmation this week from uh, Tony Gilroy that season two is going to pick up a year after this event. Oh, yep. Hey, there we go. I didn't didn't even see that quote, and I just said that. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that makes sense. And, uh, I mean, I'm also intrigued but also worried about Season 2 because I love Season 1 so much that I love the formula, but to know that it's going to be sped up to have, like, arcs that are separated by year, it's going to be sort of like what House of the Dragon did to a certain degree. I just hope we don't lose too much character development and cool stuff in the way because, you know, Ferrex is basically going to be that We got that synopsis a while back in one of the magazines where there was a blurb, like, yeah, season one is just based on one planet. Season two is going to be, like, all over. So I think that's part of the charm with this season. You know, we're just talking about episode 12 today, but, you know, episode 12 is basically all on Phyrex and the, the culmination of the story on Phyrex is just like, yeah, this this is one of the reasons why the show was so special to me is because Farex was done so well. I mean, they built this set out there in the UK somewhere and it wasn't even on the volume barely. And, uh, and, and, all the characters, like you even get to see the, the one character that, that basically got that alien guy in episode one or two to like, try to back him up to get the money out of Andor. And it's that like minor character that ended up selling Andor's like location to the Imperial. So it's stuff like that that I really enjoy. Like they, they took the time to give this guy a little bit of a backstory. And they called him back from episode two all the way back in episode 12. It's like this is the kind of stuff I love when you build up this community of people on Ferex. That you can't get that from like a three episode arc and have that kind of like aha moment sort of thing.
2: Oh yeah, we're definitely like, season two of this show is definitely going to be, <clears throat> I would say more up upbeat, just naturally from the overall show, overall um, progression of the show, because like you said, with each arc being in a year, like a year a year per arc, per three episodes, like it's naturally going to be sped up, just because it'll be like, they'll have to tell like Cassian story, Cassian slash Luthan stuff, mm-hmm. slash Mon Mothma stuff going on as well so like you know we're gonna have a lot of stories i think speeding up and probably i would say just naturally a little bit more action since it's leading up more and more to the events of rogue one so it'll be more like action-packed um and uh yeah i just think well, well here's another one too guys just to throw out there so okay so based off of like a New Hope's line, like, you know, like the Rebels, like, coming off their first victory in Rogue One, okay? Mm-hmm. So maybe we're going to get some big battle in Season 2 for Andor. Like, the Rebellion try to do a big fight, and then they get taken out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or get, get, like, get, like, you know what I mean? Get, like, stamped mm-hmm. out, basically. Like, I think we're going to get something like that because their first victory was Rogue One. So it's just, what is going to you know we have to get something where they lose cuz cuz right now luthen's basically 1-0 right now he's up he's winning right now so like we got to end this series with them losing but it's probably going to be on like a positive note obviously but it, they're going to have to be in like the loss column basically heading into rogue 1
0: yeah i mean that's cuz we see right in rogue 1 the war council scene like none of those yeah. advisors are quick to fighting so they're going to build up the reason why. Like, I think that's a great point, Ben. It's like, all right, why are they timid? Why are they anxious? Well, we've tried this before, and we've lost tons of money in preparation and time and tons of people dead because we weren't prepared. So so why are we going to go with this girl and, and her father's plans? Like, well, What kind of stability do we have going into this knowing uh, our odds of success are greater than last time? Oh, yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot there, but uh, again, going back to this episode uh let's 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 talk about the the post-credit scene a little bit. Now, Milton, did you did you know there was a post-credit
1: scene? Yes, I did. I watched right. it.
0: Cool, cuz I know it fooled some people on the podcast.
1: Yep. <laughs> I I'll, uh, I'll take accountability
2: for that one. I I didn't find out there was a post-credit scene until yesterday. I I was, I was sitting there at Thanksgiving and my uncle was like, my uncle actually watched this show and he's enjoying it so far, but uh, or well, one of them, my uncles are, but he uh, he was like, oh, so what do you think of the post credit scene on Andor? I was like, ah. what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, didn't you see it? There was. And I, I went to the, the sunroom and turned on the, my grandma's smart TV and fast forwarded to the end and was like, oh, dang, I did not know that
1: was there. So yeah, I did, I didn't expect that, but Milton? I think there's two things with this. So, one, I, I liked it. It was a nice post. I mean, it, it ties into so much. I mean, look, it's it's the Death Star that makes sense. Like, it makes sense that they're building the Death Star on this period because they, they have to. You know, if any fan is saying, oh, the Death Star is back. That's BS, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait a minute. It's five years before <laughs> you hope. When when do you think they're going to build this thing? It's going to take twenty years. They, they actually they were starting to build this at the dawn. I guess they had the plans constructed during Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. They started building this during the Clone Wars. Yeah. So it's going to it took twenty years. Um. So it makes sense if you actually use your heads. I, I've seen people bitch about this online, like, oh, wow. you know, why, why 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 would they show this? It, it, that's unnecessary. It's like, wait a minute, like, you guys, understand with Rogue One. Endor is pretty much building his weapon of death. He's building his own weapon. How 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 crazy is that? He had no idea, you know, Like it's, cra- mm-hmm. it's just So looking at it that way, it's like, all right, that's kind of like ironic, oh. um, but actually, but but very poetic too. You know, it's he he's a again he's a man on borrowed time. You know? so um, I liked the scene. I, I thought it made sense. It was cool to see how they build it with those little nano robots. So that yeah. was dope. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I loved it. I think, did we need to have this particular scene? No. We we didn't need to see this. But it worked. Now, I think we could have gotten this maybe uh, in Season 2 sometime. Again, this works for Season 1, so I'm not complaining about it. It wasn't necessary, but it's it's okay for what they were trying to do. I think think they wanted to remind people who haven't seen Rogue One yet to say, wait a minute what would the, it's re, it's a reason why he was in that prison it's a yeah. reason so then go back and watch the next movie or whatever or watch the Rogue one movie now so i, I like it
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah i thought i thought it was i thought it was really cool you know seeing it a day later but uh but i thought it was i thought it was really neat getting to see it and then like you mentioned Melt, like the little nano robot things those were cool seeing those working on it um and just getting kind of a uh I don't know, like real perspective, more of the Death Star, and then like it zooming out, you know, it showing it and all that. Like I thought that was that was cool, uh, camera work, and uh, yeah, I mean, heck, Chris, like I saw I saw some people talking about that when Milton brought up about the whole the Death Star even being in it because it's like it's I I I don't like we're at a point with fandom with with Star Wars or with Marvel or DC where it's like. People have the view of, if there's, a, if there's a cameo, whether it be a vehicle or a character or whatever, it, it's just fan service. My thing is, fan service is not a bad thing if it's done well. And this, in particular, with the Death Star, is done well. It makes sense to be in this series. Like, wh- You know what would have been fan service, what would have not made sense? To have Vader go down and slaughter the whole funeral, all those funeral people. That would have not made sense. That would have been fan service. But, like, the Death Star making a cameo, basically, like, that's not fan. I mean, it's fan service, but it's not bad fan service because it makes sense to the story. The story is about the Death Star. Like, Cassian was working on the Death Star, like, on, on parts of it, anyways. Like, and then, you know, this whole thing is building up to the Death Star. So, like, I thought it was really cool, and I and I saw no issue with, with having it at the end of the show.
0: Yeah, what I liked about it is we haven't gotten the stuff from the prison since like episode 10 or something like that. Um, yep. So it's been, we've been far removed for a couple weeks. And it's a good reminder. What I liked about this is a reminder. It's not tied to a specific character per se, but it's like, oh yeah, by the way, guys, like here's this being made in the background. And if you know your Star Wars lore, this connects to Rogue One. And that's all about this thing. And by the way, your lead character was working on this thing, this death machine. As Milton said, ironic how he's working on his own machine that kills him. Uh, so, yeah, it's cool because it puts it in perspective, right? Uh, just laying the groundwork and being like, yeah, this is dealing with one of the icons of Star Wars. Like you have Darth Vader. People recognize that. People recognize the lightsaber people recognize the Death Star, even if they haven't really watched Star Wars. A, a lot of people could be like, hey, isn't that from Star Wars? Yeah, so this is a story that is in the Star Wars timeline, and it is it tells you exactly where it is in the timeline in case you forget. We are in that era right now. So it's cool, and I like the, per- the play on the perspective, Ben, like you said. Like, okay, really zoomed in. Okay. Yep. Wh- what, what I like that a is? lot, actually. Yep. And it's just very, cin- right. like, the cinematography of, like, the last shot of, like the different layers of the dish yes. being put in. And it's interesting because it's like, we kept hearing in Rogue One, it's like Director Krennic is like, why has the work slowed and all this sort of thing? It's like, maybe season two we'll find out why the work slowed because right, right. now it looks like the damn thing's just about done already. So what the hell is taking all the time? And go back to last week, we go back to the week before Mel was like, we gotta tell people about this. We gotta tell people about this. So I have a feeling like, Melshi eventually is going to be in a rebellion. Saul's going to catch wind of this, and then Saul's going to start causing problems for like the supply lines and the supply chains because they can't know what the Death Star is. That, that, that's not possible. They know that, that, that they were working on a machine of some sort, so maybe they find out some of the supply places, and that's like one of the early battles One is like hitting these little things to slow down the logistics of building this thing even though they don't know really what they're slowing down in the first place like little hit and run tactics little Robin Hood things of stealing weapons and stuff and giving them to the poor like we know the X-Wings were originally going to be made for the Empire then they get turned over to the Rebellion so like little things like that I could see like season 2 like each one of those arcs is going to have something to do with like slowing down production or something in a little, little way or something
1: yeah, I, I like that idea. I, I agree. Um, but no, but back to your point. I think it was you, Ben, saying about people being was it? Just use the term fickle. Is that what you said? F- like, or- oh, like, pe- like people,
2: like, like Milton. A lot of you know, a lot of people instantly jump, like, like, jump to the whole fan service thing. Fan service. You know, a de- a Death Star, Death Star being in a in a Rogue One spinoff show is fan service, and I'm like, wait, no, it's not. And like, you know, to me, f- bad. Like fan service can be good if it's done well with the story, but it can also be bad. Like you know, my example of it being bad would be, you know, you have this big funeral outbreak riot and have Darth Vader pop in and just slaughter everybody. Right. That'd be yeah. fan service. That that'd, that'd be matters. fan
1: service. But 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 continue. I'm about to say, I, I just want to say, just to build off of that, is that, you know, I think I think you're right. I think we're in a day and age where you know fans just aren't satisfied. You know, or they have to have. Yep. An, opinion, an opinion on what Star Wars should or, or is. Look, and I think all the three of us are all guilty of it at times, you know. I, I have an imagination of what the sequel trilogy should look like. Okay, and that's, and that's maybe my own doing of the books and everything that I've read. But, you know, I'm trusting a man in Tony Gilroy who, one, has saved this original movie of Rogue One and made it what it was. And clearly, he knows Star Wars, even though he says he's not a fan. He clearly knows oh, yeah. what he's doing. You know, this is a well-received show. I think the way the way he's he's put things into whether it's quote-unquote fan service or not, it serves a purpose. So for all those fans out there who are just complaining about all oh, the Death Star being unnecessary, okay, fine. You know, it, it serves a purpose. You know, there's a reason why it's in here. It pays off in the Rogue One movie. It pays off. In a new hopes, it pays off in Return of the Jedi. So, like, it needs to be there. Like, it's not like we're making yep. it up where, yeah. like, oh, man, um, you're right. Yeah, if, if Vader showed up at the funeral, like, that makes no sense. Or if, like, Yoda decided to, you know, show up just to be seen. Like, <laughs> you, like come on. Or if Yoda was communicating yeah. with Marva through the Force, why, why would he do that? And that's fan service. Like, <laughs> Again, let, let's keep
2: let's keep it real here, guys. If that happened, we all three would never watch the show again.
1: Facts. I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Like, like yeah, yeah. You well, know I'm, what I'm saying? seeing. You. I'm sorry. Now, 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 I will say they they threw a little uh they they threw a little tidbit in there of th- this might have been fan service, and I kind of like had to like perk my head up because I was like, what the hell? Whenever Mon Mothman was meeting with her husband. Yep. And I think she, and I we can talk can we talk about the scene then, Chris, after yeah, I make go this ahead. point. Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah. Antobite. Did she mentioned that. And oh, I, yeah. was like, <laughs> I was like I was like, uh, no one cares about that stupid ass planet. No, that was a great <laughs> that was a great reference. But but but, really? but 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 I say that's fan service, but I think it served its purpose. <laughs> and this is where I'm gonna get into what me like in the scene. She knew her driver was listening. You could tell. And I think she was trying to set up the driver, be like, oh, well, she thinks the husband's out here gambling and acting a fool, you know, and she's dropping Canto bite Because, again, we didn't know what Casino Planet was before The Last Jedi. So now yeah. we know. So it makes sense that they will put it in there now. We're like, okay, we know a lot of people go to, like, mm-hmm. a lot of, like, degenerates go there. so It makes sense. So I guess they're trying to strengthen Canto bites. Well, they've so, been doing
0: it for years. The publishing—that's been known. Yeah, that's yeah, why I yeah, yeah. up I was like, oh, I, I go. think.
1: I think with this this particular, you know, soundbite, they're trying to strengthen. Okay, like Canto Bite isn't like the greatest place. It's like degenerates and rich folks just throw their money away and blah blah blah. So yeah, I was like, all right, man, do we need to have that reference in there? But see why they did it, and then I actually did like the I, whole entire scene. I would say, like, you
2: know. No matter how I feel about The Last Jedi. Um, that you know, I can't I can't say that was bad fan service because it was it was done well. Like like it was, it was it, like it you was, said it, Mil- was. It, it did its job it did its job. No matter how we feel about Canto Bite, like I think it it was um, done in a good job. And you know, it did. It made my ears perk up. I was like, Oh, they referenced that. You know, so like I uh yeah, I just don't think I think we've gotten to a point with a lot of these things with with the fan service topic where it's like, now I think there's a crowd of people where it's just like, they see a cameo, they hear a name, they see a ship, <laughs> and they instantly blindly say, fan service, it's bad. And it's not. Like, Like, to me, that's such a generic argument when it comes to stuff like this because, you know... If, if we want to talk fan service of all things, I mean, then again, I guess I guess Vader was great fan service then to Rogue One because the Death Star plans were important. Like, they were the highest priority But here's the, thing,
1: here's, here's the thing about that, though. See, I disagree with that. I think that he was necessary because in the beginning of New Hope, who's the first person we see oh, that's walking true. onto that show? Yeah, that's true. It's Vader. That's, that's see actually, Vader, yeah, v- Vader is in full hunt mode in the beginning of New Hope. When the stormtroopers are blowing through uh, what's the ship? Um, oh my Phantom god! 8-4. I know. Yeah, thank you. The, the cruiser Invader is all yep. like, and look at look at his his armor. His armor's like that yep. faded, mm-hmm. scarred up, and you can see he just got out of dealing with the blaster fight mm-hmm. in the hallway of trying to get the plant. So to me, that makes sense. So I well, dis- actually, oh, yeah. Oh, here well,
2: here's here's a better example of a, of a fan service, and I know I know this is one that bugs Chris. Is C three PO in Rogue One, like like you know like his little, or uh, you you know when the ship's flying and you see three PO like oh. an R two standing in there? It's kind of like that's kind of like where it's like okay, like do you really need that? Um, like to me, that <laughs> sort of stuff is kind of like fan service, like haha, look there. Um, but I just think I don't know, like as Star Wars fans and as like movie movie fans, it just bugs me to see people like. Cause that's constantly an argument on social media. Like you mentioned, Milton, I saw people complaining about the Death Star. I really did. And it's like, just because it's a recognizable
0: oh, man. thing
2: that's integral to the characters we're dealing with, that doesn't mean it's fan service. That means it's part of the story. Yeah. Like for me, exactly. for, for me, I think re- I think realistically, it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit, and it would fit the story. It would be fan service in a good way. But if we get uh, uh, Orson Krennic in season two, it would
1: make sense he, if he's checking in he needs on the be, desktop. He needs, he needs to be there. It wouldn't yeah. shock me if he's in it or if we get a glimpse Gale of Galen Erso. Urso G- Gale because at Tarkin. this point, Galen. Arkin? Yeah, whomever. Like, if we start getting these characters, and, and they don't got to be in four or five episodes, we can see him in one episode and pay it off because mm-hmm. we know how they're going to play out. As in a hologram. TV. Exactly. And even even with the Death Star, again, what is everyone's favorite part of the show thus far? We all can agree the episodes in the prison. All can agree, and yep. how they were really tying or like talking about, oh, you got to build these things, build these things. You know, you got to do this so you can win the shift of the day or whatever. That has been paid off with that cameo because mm-hmm. the first shot we see, that post credit, are those. Things that they were building, and you're like, oh, we've seen those before. And you get the nano robots moving them. You're like, oh, wait, what are they using these for? And all of a sudden, oh my God, they're building the satellite dish. This is crazy. So, pretty much that prison was building the Death Star dish, and mm-hmm. we love that particular scenes. And it paid it all comes in full circle. It paid mm-hmm. off. Like, if anyone's complaining about that, you clearly didn't pay attention to the show. Because yeah. that that whole anyone would tell you that whole arc of the prison was dope. Yeah. Oh Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%.
2: I I just think a lot of it just comes back to, you know, we live in like a time with social media where it's like, you know, people are so obsessed with like live tweeting and live posting while they're watching. And I think they get caught up and miss like little details like that. And it's just, to me, it's better to like feed off on social media. You know, you don't get, to me, you don't get publicity if you go and post something positive you post you get you get likes you get comments if you post something negative it's like to me it's like if i post something say like strongly hating on the death star being in this show it's likely to get more comments and likes than it would be if i oh i love the death star in this like you know like it, it just it just is like unfortunately but that's how it's gotten to be with a lot of this like be- fan service type of discussion but it, it's just crazy like like you said milton when i when i started looking into the the word death star on twitter and stuff like just seeing people like talking about the i would have never imagined in a million years seeing star wars fans complaining about the death star but it's like are we
1: at this point yeah. like, well the, the, pro- the problem is to a lot a lot of people who, who tend to do the live tweeting or whatever the, the responses that they get are the people that don't even watch the show just like oh man, yeah. that, that's in it. I'm not watching it. I'm I, yeah, that's I'm starting to think about service. watching it, but you know, I was gonna um. binge it, but I ain't watching it now. And it's like, you know what? If you haven't seen it, like like go go stay in your mom's basement. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Get get out of here with that because like if you if you can't make an independent opinion or thought before even like or mm-hmm. just stop. Just stop. Get off the That's why I don't that's why I don't get on Twitter on those first day or two of the episodes release, Cause I'm thinking like, you know, I'll wait until I um, can, I can settle down and watch it myself. Then I'm going to look at the reactions and see all the analysis and breakdowns. It so, like, it's just, I know myself, I need to see it with fresh eyes. Exactly. I
2: mean, a, a big example of that is like, you know, out of us three here on the podcast from, you know, you started out Milton, you started episode one, took you to episode 12 to fully confirm your opinion about Cyril.
1: There we go. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm just, listen, man. I, I was, I was trying. Like, I, I was trying, and again, never paid off for me. So, to me, I, I just think, like, man, man, we always get into funny,
2: serial topics. But yep. to me, I, okay, I just, I just have to say this. Like, if, if Tony gilbert or any of the cinematographers are watching this at this point in this show. Just whoever it is, please stop just putting the camera straight onto his face. Cause like I feel like we see him staring in the camera so much and it's just like just stop. Stop that. Um yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just hope I I do hope though, honestly, with his character, like I hope it turns into something. Like we like we can't go through twelve more episodes with him just doing nothing, right? Like he's gotta he's gotta either like do something maybe to sway Deidre into like Like, I could honestly see his character going the route of being like, you know, okay, so say season two, I could see Deidre like still being bad or something, and then his character being kind of like the, trying to pull her toward the good side, like, oh wow, look how bad the, you know, how brutal the Empire is, blah, 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 you need to pull away from it, you need to pull away from it, and then finally she does like, halfway through the season, you know, and decides to leave with him, like, I could see something along those lines, but I think... You know, as you mentioned with his character earlier, Milton. I think his there's going to be something there in season two. Like there has to be.
0: Yeah, you can't have that much uh, screen time on somebody that doesn't doesn't evolve <laughs> a whole lot by the end of it.
2: You Literally, hope, you can.
1: Literally, you, you can because it works. Because it worked for him. <laughs> like I, oh my god dude i'm sorry i'm sorry to anyone listening or watching i know i've been bitching about this character all season <laughs> but, uh, like i'm sorry like I, it's the truth
2: yeah i i mean it's that's true hey maybe maybe by the end of season two milton we'll be able to cut all of his scenes out of the show and like slice them together as one little mini serial movie um to post because it's oh just like
1: his mom, his mom was more interesting to him his mother had more like character just being honest i think
2: i think he, the best scene that we had of his was when whatever it was when they first saw the aldani stuff on the news that was cool seeing the actual like the galactic news i yeah, thought that was cool Feeds. seeing that i really i really did because like that. like say what you want like but like i've said i mean we'll get into the full season next week but but to me i think that was one of the coolest little details of this entire show was actually seeing like a new station in star Wars. Cause we never seen that before. So I thought that was a really cool thing to, um, right. to add.
0: Yeah. Again, like but. what this show did well, and we'll get into it next week is just like showing the everyday man and showing like the people that aren't the Jedi and, the, and the big generals of the war. What do these people do? What's their everyday life? Like, what are their jobs? Like the people that make up the galaxy that, um, and it adds really to it because, when you know what the heroes are fighting for, the everyday man, what their what their life is like under the empire, and how oppression happens, then you have more context um, going back or watching the original trilogy, which is all about the big shots. Now you now you know what these guys are fighting for. So shows like Andor are helping us watch that. Uh, shows like Star Wars Rebels are helping improve that that rewatchability. That is Star Wars.
2: Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, it just builds the, like, the roots of the Rebellion and Mm -hmm. the roots of, like, a lot of the the stuff in the galaxy. And then, of course, we're going to be getting a lot of that with Mon Mothma. And, you know, I I think we saw you know, with her, we saw so much of her, like, in this show. We saw a good amount of her in this show, but I think we're going to get more of that next season. Like, I really do. Just because it's like we got a lot of the build-up stuff with I, I think Cassian of course we got the action stuff, of course, because he's an action packed character. But with Mon Mothma, I think now we've gotten out of the way the stuff I've been saying all season, like now she finally realizes she has to get her hands dirty. Now now her character is rolling.
0: Yeah. I agree. Oh yeah. She she sacrificed her family at this point. Um, for the success of the rebellion, so that's a huge, huge milestone in her life to be like, Okay, there's no coming back from this. I'm kind of a crazy person for having to do this. Although, maybe her daughter doesn't think like this is the end of the world. Her daughter was just like, Okay, let's do this. Like, whatever, this is just the customs. I'm just doing a customs to my planet. But meanwhile, it's the guilty conscience of mine, Mathma that's gonna live on. With her into the new republic, basically of like, yeah, I had to sacrifice a lot to get this thing here, and this is why I'm going to die if I have to to get this thing off the ground at this point because I already sacrificed too much, my family. Well, you know,
2: well, it's like you know, it's like the whole thing. I mean, none of us have kids, but it's like you know, when a parent's like a kid's wanting to do something, and you know, it's like a parent knowingly like letting their kid go into a situation that long term it's not going to be. Good. It's not going to be a good, a good type thing. Like, you know, for example, my, my, uh, my sister. She was in a toxic relationship years ago, and we all told her, "Hey, it's not good for you, not good for you, not good for you." And then, you know, eventually, we just had to like let her go, let her deal with it, and and then eventually, they ended up breaking up. And like, my, and you know, that's kind of like with Mon Mothma and her daughter. It's like she knows the type of situation that an arranged marriage, like she's in leads to and that's kind of what she's basically like, well, she's gonna have to give her daughter up and basically like let her daughter learn like what happens, like like the repercussions of it long term. Because in theory, I mean, who knows, maybe like like sure Mon Mothma talked disparagingly now as her being older about that those customs. But maybe when she was like 14, 13, 15, maybe she was fine with it back then when she was a kid. And then now like, as she's older, it'll be kind of a same like cycle repeating with her daughter.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so so there's that. There's that. Mon Mothma is... Uh, yeah, I mean, we've we seen from the beginning of, I guess it was episode 4 to episode 12, we've seen, seen that arc play out. I like how you put it Andor's uh Ben, about Andor, how Andor's got the action sequences. Mon Mothma, we have a lot of momentum for this character that all she's really been doing is just like sitting standing and taking a speeder here and there every once in a while so so not a lot of action but a lot of action in terms of like her development, and how she has changed, uh, and and especially how she's getting in deep, getting too in deep with Luthen to even back out now with what happened with Al Danny. We get to see that moment of her reaction of like, oh crap, I didn't think it was going to be this serious, and now we are sacrificing a, a marriage proposal and an arrangement and all yeah.
2: this. Well, well, one more thing on the Mon Mothma stuff, and like You know, I'm sure Milton will like it. Like, I think with Mon Mothma, the good thing about her wrapping the story with her daughter up, basically, is now the daughter is probably not going to be in season two. Like, I feel like she's out of the picture. So now we're going to be getting Mon Mothma maybe in action. Maybe, I don't know, maybe someone tries to take her out. Maybe, like, just something. I think we're going to get more, like action obviously not and not casting style action but you know more stakes action if that makes sense for mon mothma like what do you what do you guys think
1: yeah i could definitely I see could, that yep yeah. go ahead belton i was say yeah, i, I can see that too i mean it just she, either she's going to get more action packed or just i don't know she, she'll be making more moves more moves behind the scenes that's more impactful besides just being the money person um but yeah we'll see i mean i'm, I'm excited for her character she was one of my favorite characters I said she's gorgeous I love seeing her on screen like she's hard not to look at um, but I love I love that actress like how, how they how they portray her So yeah I, I love it
0: hey, Genevieve O'Reilly man she I just that's Mon Mothma man I mean it's a different actress completely obviously but it's just like you and McGregor playing Obi-Wan you just watch and yeah that's that's Obi-Wan that's Ben Kenobi
2: yeah oh there's no difference like with the characters like like they they casted her so perfectly, um, you know, She, tr- you can just see the transition to the Mon Mothma we get in Return of the Jedi, like, you can picture her being older and looking like that. Like, mm-hmm. that's how it is with Ewan to Alec Guinness, like, to me there's no, like, one Obi-Wan over the other for me, it's like, I just see them all as one character at
0: this point. Hmm, hmm. Is there any last uh, topics or details you guys want to talk about with this episode?
1: Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think we covered a lot. I think mm-hmm. overall, I mean, this, this episode, it served its purpose, you know, and, and I'll give, our. I mean, I guess I'll just give my thoughts. If you want to rate and give my thoughts right now, Chris, it's up to you. I
0: was going to go over a quick nitpick. Um, All right. but Okay there there. you know there is a thread going on on twitter um people people coming up with nitpicks nitpicks are fine but uh you know it's it's just funny bricks and stuff like that are you know you, you if you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about but um i was like <laughs> screw it if people are gonna nitpick about bricks and nails i'm gonna nitpick about about damn stormtroopers so here's my soapbox um Death troopers. Why aren't they threatening every anymore? We see them in Mandalorian, we see them in Rebels. They're getting picked off like every other trooper. These guys are supposed to be the the SEAL Team 6 of the Star Wars galaxy. How are they getting picked off like nothing? That's my little gripe. Well, <laughs> oh no, that's that's that's
2: 100% true. That's not even a that's not even a little gripe. That's a big gripe. It's like I I I think that's like a company-wide thing. Luckily, Luckily Mando did pretty well with the I guess those are dark troopers though.
0: No, but, no, Death but, Troopers in um episode eight. Oh, were those death troopers in Mando? Yeah. They went oh, in to try shoot. to get they went it. in to try to get Grogu and all of them and they just got picked off.
2: Oh yeah. See, I um I was thinking those were oh well no, I guess I was thinking more what I was meaning more along the lines of was like the Dark Troopers from season two. That that's what I was thinking of. But uh, uh, yeah, those are Dark Troopers. Never mind. But yeah, even even there you go. There's another example in Mando season one. Like the Death Troopers aren't doing anything. Like like I just <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just a gripe of it's just a gripe of mine because it's for action figures. That's all it is. Like yeah. I just don't like
1: it. Like it's just There's the like, thing, though. Please. There's the thing, though that that's not you being weird. And this this goes back to. my my gripe about how how they set up the sequel trilogy movies because we're not the ones making this up in our headcanon about how nice somebody is or where a story should go. They did this, okay? (laughs) They set up the Death Troopers to be badasses. Like you just said, Chris, you said SEAL Team 6, Army Rangers, uh, 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 Marines, like the best of the best. We are thinking that they set it up that way, that the Death Troopers... Are the elite of the elite, so we know they're not missing you. When they shoot, they show that in Rogue One. Yeah, in Rogue One. When they got off that ship, you knew it was over because people start getting... blasting
2: people. Uh-huh.
1: I mean, everyone's going left and right. So I'm thinking, okay, they're nice. Even in, weren't they in uh, Rogue One? No, Rebels or something. They were in one of the animation shows. Rebels. And like, and yeah, and they they were doing their thing, and it's like, okay, these troopers are for real. And then all of a sudden, like, they get depowered the last couple times we've seen them. It's like, what are we doing? I know. So that's, and, that's, and and again, that's not us being crazy. That's Star Wars setting it up that way. Just like with Force Awakens. Everyone said, okay, this is the Force Awakens. This is where the story is going to potentially go. And all of a sudden, you get the last <laughs> Jedi and it's like, wait a minute. Why, why are we doing this when this was in here? It's not me making this up. It's what JJ set up. So it's Star Wars yeah. and Disney that are making these own-headed weird pivots and then they get mad at the fans for saying what are you doing to these characters it's you know funny what like it's what, what are weird. you doing to the narrative what are you doing to the narrative It was like no you guys set it up for us to think this it's funny because i
0: think i, I see a couple confirmed kills from a, a rank-and-file stormtrooper but the death yeah. trooper doesn't even get crap to do so troopers yeah, are supposed to it. miss not the death troopers anyway. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there for almost yeah. comedic sake. But hey, yeah, I no. guess you guys agree with me more than I expected. So is... I don't
2: know. <laughs> it, I mean, it makes it, it, it makes sense though because like you know stuff like that. That's not nitpicking. Like to me, I I really don't care like much about like people's nitpicking because it's like hey, everyone's everyone has an opinion. Like some people may think the death troopers are getting played out just fine, and that's cool. But uh, but to me, like, I don't know. We've had a lot of that, in my opinion, um, under this umbrella and iteration of Star Wars of really cool-looking characters that don't do anything. Like the Death Troopers are one of those characters. I mean, look, one of the prime, most like, in my opinion, egregious examples of it is um, what's her name, Gwendolyn Christie?
0: Oh, Captain Phasma.
2: Captain Phasma. Captain Phasma. That was so egregious. Like, her character was marketed. I remember one quote specifically literally said, She's the new Boba Fett. Yeah. And it was like, Holy smokes, that's the farthest thing from like, she didn't do anything. And then she gets like knocked out or whatever in The Last Jedi and taken out. Like, and it's like, dude, like, I just don't like them hyping up characters. Obviously, like I said, it's for. It's for marketing and toy sales. Like, that's all it is at this point with we some gotta, of that stuff. Because it's like, yeah. like, to me as a fan, when you go and hype up cool, cool looking characters, especially characters like with cool armor, or cool blasters, or whatever, we want to see those characters in action. We don't want to see them just get taken out in two seconds. Like, to me, even if you're going to have, say, the Death Troopers get taken out in this episode one way or another, at least have them get like some type of an action sequence you know like something like something really cool to show they're threatening versus just getting taken out so it's just like i don't know maybe maybe this is like death troopers phase 1.5 and then phase two is in rogue one or something uh, like like maybe this is like the earliest early-ish death troopers i i don't know like hopefully hopefully it is
0: yeah yeah but hey, but maybe one of these weeks we should do like a rank of the the new cool trooper editions based on what they actually accomplish. You know, you got the Praetorian <laughs> Guards, you got the Knights of Ren, you got the Death Troopers. You know, that's another... the Knights of Ren—that's
2: another example.
0: The <laughs> <laughs> uh, Praetorian Guards yeah. actually got a couple scratches on, a, on 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 some characters at least, so that's <laughs> something. Yeah. But. I'll turn it back to you, Milton. I know you wanted to talk about your final thoughts and score out of ten. Unless we have any other little things to to mention here.
1: No, I mean I thought this was a solid. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a solid um, episode. It did its job. You know, it wasn't trash. It's just, to me, it just it was up and down at times, but it did what it needed to do. I am excited for season two just felt that this episode could have been stronger and tighter in a lot of ways um if i had to give this a score out of 10 to solid 7.75
0: 7.75 did your score go higher or lower or were you at that confirmation of a score before the discussion even began
1: it was around an eight okay Like, I, like yeah
0: I mean, I was expecting a lot lower of a score based on what you said immediately. So almost an eight out of ten is pretty good. Pretty good. All right, Ben.
2: Yeah, I would say for me, I uh, I thought the episode was solid. To me, yeah, it was just that. It was just solid. It w- it was an all right episode. It wasn't. It wasn't incredible. It wasn't awful. Um, it was just solid. Like it had some good, good moments in it for. You know, Cassian specifically, of course, I feel like he was the standout of the episode. And then, of course, getting some more stuff with with uh, like getting Deidre out and about uh, like that's that's always interesting. Like I always find that really interesting, just like when the Imperial type people get out and about, you know, versus just seeing stormtroopers like like I think one of my most favorite shots like like I know this is like a side tangent, but it's kind of connected at least. One of my favorite shots in terms of like under like the Disney umbrella of Star Wars is like, I love the opening of rogue one, like seeing Krennic like walk out in that plains. Like mm-hmm. I just think it just looks cool. You know, the, the Imperial get up out in public. Um, so, you know, it's great getting the Imperials more out and about in this episode. And then the Marva speech, albeit I thought it was a little long. I think it was a nice spark for um, more things to come, and you know, this show, I think, I mean, I guess we'll get into more of that next week, but I, th- I feel like this show had a lot of just, you know, this show's like the prequel for the actual, like, more I guess action-packed uh, version of the show that we may get next season. Okay. Um, and then, th- um, of course, as we, as we had a long discussion about seeing the Death Star in this episode, I thought that was really nice because it connected a lot of the different things we've gotten throughout this series. Basically like what's going on for the Empire in the background you know, Saul's, you know Saul, Luthen, all these people are like knowing, like the Empire's growing more powerful and then it confirms it with the Death Star and you know, it connecting back to the factory stuff we got with with Cassian and Kino. So I thought that was a, a good touch and uh, yeah, overall I thought it was a solid episode and i came into it i was gonna actually give it a i was actually gonna give it like a 6.8 at first but you know after talking about it and whatnot like discussing it more um i would say i'd have to bump it up to a 7.5
0: all right we got in the seven ranges and uh my sentiments have not changed i think that this episode filed on all cylinders it really brought the bar up to 11 for me as far as intensity tension uh bringing everything to a satisfying close you got all the all the characters all the pieces have been lining up to this point to see all these characters coming around getting resolution even to a damn droid right even to a droid getting so much to do in this episode uh every aspect from cinematography to the music which drove the intensity of this episode, seeing the Imperials uh, just raining fire down, seeing the speech of Marvel, uh, Marva, seeing Cassian Andor end up um, just having his heroic moment and, and living up to the name of the show, seeing Luthen being there too, and, and everybody there to kill Andor, and then, you know, we knew he would survive, but it was cool to see how things played out. And play it out in spectacular fashion for me. Seeing Bix and seeing how she's been subjugated, but seeing her get out alive. Having um, a cliffhanger story, too, is its it's a good way to keep us busy. And And then with the Death Star being revealed at the end, tying things all together like Milton put so well. It's like, yeah, Narcana 5 is crucial because now we got all that context of what they were doing and the future and all. I've been saving this one. I'm giving it a ten out of ten. This was easy for me to do because, uh, you know, a lot of this is based off pure emotion too. And uh, I have not been this excited for an episode of Andor, and I think it's just a testament to Tony Gilroy and the team for building up the characters for me enough to actually care enough about them. Um, you know, just uh, the characters that meant nothing to me, um, but now are gonna be some of the coolest Star Wars characters I've I've seen yet. Uh, So there you go. We got a 7.75, a 7.5, and a a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, And and I do want to comment on on your little uh, declaration or or little statement there, Ben, about this is kind of a prequel. And I, I think you're right with that because I didn't know or think that this show would be all about Andor before he joined the Rebellion, right? Spy thriller. We didn't see Andor himself in particular being an agent of the Rebellion. But I think next year or the year after 2024, I think we're going to get almost like every week or every every three episodes is going to be him on some kind of new mission for the Rebellion. And I think that's what a lot of people were really hoping for, probably. And I, I wanted to see more of it, granted, too. But uh, now we're gonna see where you came from. But I'm uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about our our look forward at season two next week, our, our look back at season one and, and tie everything together for our, for our, our last Sandor's discussion that we're gonna be having for I guess a very, very uh, long time. But yeah, everybody that's watching after the fact, uh, go ahead and comment down below. What was your score for episode 12, Rick's Road? And I, and I forgot to mention that was cool that we had that little flashback between Clem and Andor and he's like talking about the the you know, Empire or whoever's like, people are buying these devices at this crazy cost when you could just clean them off and, and they're as good as new. And, and I knew that was deep symbolism for something um, but that was a cool moment because we up until that point we didn't really get any like warm moments between Andor's father. So that 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 was pretty neat. I like that little cut there that they had with him, like touching the brick of his father. This was really neat. Just like the, the again the culture, everything with Ferrex, just air, how everything runs. We haven't seen anything in Star Wars like that specific, unless it's like Tatooine, but that's been built up over like forty years. This show has only had a couple months to do that.
2: Oh yeah, I mean getting getting those type of like little details. It's cool. Um, it's cool like. Um... Not like world building, I'd say more like foundational building for the character and for for this sort of stuff. And like like I said, I think you you know I'll, we'll get into it much more this coming week on the next episode of the podcast. But I think this show 100. Now that we now that I've really thought about it more since I I, I brought that up, I think this 100 percent was a prequel series because let's be real, guys, we haven't got any of the spy thriller whatsoever that that was talked about like you know for this show like that sort of stuff like for the most part anyways so like to me where's that at where's where's his rebellion stuff like you mentioned chris we haven't seen him being an agent of the rebellion technically technically right now like this series he was just like a contract worker i would say so i mean he got paid his 200 grand and he was good so like you know he was a he was under contract so like i think this show was the prequel and next Season will be the actual show of what people were expecting, like the more spy thriller, that sort of stuff with him working with the rebellion versus, um, you know, the prequel that we got.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was the uh, all the spy stuff, of course, comes from Luthen rail and and that yeah, guy I was mean, just that guy's a legend. I can't wait to talk about his all arc next week because uh, there's a lot with Stellan car's scar's scar's performance. Uh, bring in one of the best star Wars characters I've seen in a long time to the screen. So yeah, so yeah, I much to that. talk there. Yeah. yeah
1: I, I agree with that sentiment. I, I will say again, this is probably a hint for next week. He, he's definitely in my top three of favorite characters. Cause I liked seeing him on the screen, mm-hmm. like, especially in this show.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So for next week, of course you'll be able to tune in live next week, like Aaron and like Gonzo did talking to chat. There at 9 o'clock Eastern on YouTube.com slash StarRaptor. Next week, I will have my review up for you guys for the latest High Republic novel, Star Wars Convergence, and uh, we'll see what else might come down the pipe. Uh, You know, I have a feeling that, you know, some news might start heating up now that Andor's over, so I'm sure we'll do that. And we have a lot of news stories that we haven't even talked or hinted about. Because like tonight, you know, two hours just talking about the finale as it should have been, right? This is a Star Wars live action finale. How can we not just talk about this in its own entirety, right? So it's good to have these long discussions going into the characters and the plots of Star Wars. But yeah, lots of stuff happening at Lucasfilm as of late, which we will be talking about next week and in the coming weeks. So what are you guys going to be up to this week?
1: Uh, this week just enjoying the rest of the Thanksgiving break. Um, oh, just hanging out, getting some stuff done. Maybe go uh get some family. We'll see what happens. Some extended family. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I know I'm definitely watching some football Sunday night because my Eagles are playing the Packers. So I'm mm. I'm
0: like, heck yeah! What is- about you, Ben? Hey, that's
2: the way to do it, Milton. I uh I'm pretty much gonna be doing the same thing. You know, just just chilling out this weekend, having a um. You know, of course, watching Ohio State play Michigan tomorrow, I'm excited for the the big rivalry there. I'm, I, uh, I hope I hope they win. I think they'll lose the way they played so far this year, but we'll see. Um, and then an exciting thing though for me is I will be in Cleveland on Sunday at the Browns and Buccaneers game, and hopefully we get to see Ooh. the Browns beat Old Man Tom Brady. On, ah, so, uh, yeah, it. i I'm, su- I'm I'm super excited for that game, even though. It's ninety percent chance of rain from like noon until five, and that's right during the window of where the game is. So mm. we might be getting rained on, but it'll be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would call that fun, but uh, you be you. man. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: hey, I mean, I mean, I mean, pr- pricey tickets. Got gotta go, rain, shine, snow. Whatever, whatever it may be, got got to go to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's real dedication there, and uh, we hope you guys stay dedicated to watching us and listening to us on all your podcast streaming services of choice. So, for Ben, for Midland, for I, Chris, aka Star Raptor, tune in next week as we talk about season one of Andor as a whole. That's gonna do it for us here at Outer Rim Transmissions with episode number eighty-four. Thanks for watching and transmission.